Thank you for listening to this episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Please remember to like and subscribe, and we would be so appreciative if you left us a review on the iTunes or wherever you prefer. Our goal here is to open up a conversation and continue that conversation with you, our listener. And to that end, you can reach us on all of the social media platforms that are posted here in the show notes. Without further ado, please enjoy this next episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Today, uh, I am once again joined by my compatriot in uh, audio crime, Colby. Say hi, Colby. Hello, hello, everyone. And we have the esteemed privilege of having uh, another guest on our show today in keeping with the theme for this season. Everyone say hello to Savannah. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I know it's an awkward way for me to introduce people. It's fun (laughs) for me. (laughs) So uh, I actually, I'm pretty sure I tried to confirm this, but neither one of us can absolutely remember. Uh, I very recently picked up a Twitter hitchhiker by the name of Jesse, who you all may remember from our last episode. And uh, I think, I think that's how Savannah and I met as well. Started off um, a fun Twitter DM conversation. And now here we are. I gotta say, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So um, is there anything that you would like to, uh, to say to introduce yourself to our, uh, our rabid listeners? Okay. Well, um, I'm Savannah, obviously. Uh, I'm a life coach online and a birth doula in my community. And I run everything through my website, earthandwater.co, which is where you can find me for all questions, comments, concerns, etc. Beautiful. Oh, You're yeah. a birth doula. That's interesting. Yeah. Yep. So we actually had, um, so we have another, we have another co-host when she has the availability to join us. Her name is Amy and, uh, and she's the, um, I, we've oftentimes referred to her as like the cat part of the Magnificent Whiskers uh, crew. Uh, but she, <laughs> she actually has aspirations at one point to become a death doula. Oh, wow. Yeah which is a heavy burden, but we are, I'm actually going to go ahead and shamelessly plug my own show here, but we have uh, in grief in the holidays. Um, she spoke very briefly about that. And uh, I didn't even know that was a thing until she brought it up. And, uh, and now I'm absolutely fascinated by the, the whole concept, but the emotional weight of that situation, both birth and death for that matter is just like, it's enormous. Yeah, it's very heavy. So is that something that you're called upon to do frequently? Um, not really. It's not very regular work at all, hence the uh, me doing both. But the life coach thing is where my passion has always been. And then the birth doula thing is a more recent side passion of mine. Uh, um, I have two children and I had a doula for, okay, so for my first child, I, uh, experienced the whole OB system and it was it, um, hmm. not speak ideal. We, 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 put, we put the explicit tag on the, on these episodes. Speak freely, speak your mind, please. <laughs> okay, cool. So the OB system is absolute shit. <laughs> we, uh, it's very unpersonable, you know, giving birth is the most, special moment in a woman's life you know you're bringing new life into this world there's nothing more sacred or amazing and yet um mothers are 
bullied, they're abused in the OB system, they're ignored. Um, while I was giving birth to my son every, in a crowded room, I felt entirely alone. I felt entirely exposed and awkward and self-conscious and the doctor and the nurses and my wonderful husband, of course, are talking sports the entire time. Oh my goodness. So that was less than ideal. And then, um, so I made, I made a decision at that point that for all future children, I will have a birth doula and it made all of the difference in the world. And it's really opened up a, um, world that I didn't realize existed that a lot of people don't realize existed or exist. Um, when you think of feminism, you think of marches and signs and, um, you know, girl power and whatnot, but the long lost branch of feminism is our mothers and what they deal with on a daily basis and how unsupported they are and how much abuse that they actually are subjected to in the system. And um, the reason you don't hear about it is because mothers, you know, we don't have time to go to marches and make our voices heard. You know, we're trying to raise children and make a life for ourselves. So um, birth doulas have kind of taken that responsibility for the mothers in demanding social change and advocating where our clients can't most of the time. Shit. Yeah. All right. I, that's yeah. a, that is a, a, well, first of all, it's a new perspective for, um, for our show, right? This is brand new territory that we've never even touched on before. So I'm really freaking excited that you decided to, to jump right into that. Uh, I'm also, I, I have four children. Um, I did not, I certainly was not the one giving birth to them because that's not how biology works. But um, I, I was intimately involved in the entire process. I will say there was never <laughs> It was never a time where I was talking sports with the doctors. That's not, that's not how uh, the birth of my children took place. Uh, but I could definitely see, even in my experience and what I saw with my kids, um, with our first child, uh, my significant other was, and, and myself, we were convinced we were sold um, on the idea of, of operating as a C-section. They gave us a book. They didn't, we found out later that they didn't really give her the opportunity to, um, there was no Pitocin. There was no, there was no exercises. There was nothing that they, that they encouraged. Uh, they went straight from, Oh, she's not dilating fast enough for us to, to, right. to eviscerating her. Right. Right. And, um, OBs are, you know, they're trained as surgeons. Yep. They, most of them have no idea what a natural birth looks like and they don't want to sit around and wait. They're not patient enough. Births can go to go for, Three or four Both. days. Yeah, yep. multiple days are very realistic. And oh yeah, for sure. And and the crazy thing is too, that was our first child. Our following three were all uh, birthed VBAC. Oh wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, right. Because normally after one has a C-section, there's risks of uh, you know the um, the suture line rupturing and all sorts of mm -hmm. different things. But what that tells us is that we didn't need to go C-section that first time. She wasn't breech. She was right. she was head down. She was in the canal. She was ready to go. But they um, she supposedly wasn't dilating fast enough. It's my personal belief that uh, this this doctor received a kickback for this um, through the hospital. And uh, even if it wasn't that, I think you're right. I think it was a time thing. 
And uh, yeah, and, and we were young parents, first time, had no idea, thought that the doctor was doing a great job. Turns out a couple of years later, he loses his license for practicing. Now it was for unrelated issues. Um, he just turned out to be a misogynistic pig and was um, frequently sexually harassing his nurses um, and things of that nature. Yeah, but, but you consider when those things go hand in hand with uh, being a primarily female doctor that uh, doesn't doesn't signal good things. Yes, well, yes, sure. I totally agree. Now, that's not to say he was violating his patients because I don't think that was ever a situation, but definitely no. his female nurses, like there were times where he, uh, some of the complaints that were lodged against him were that he would um like inappropriately like uh clean up sweat from his his nurse's breasts uh and it was a totally unwanted advance mm. and and things of that nature so he no longer practices as far as i know i think he lost his license entirely so um but yeah i think having a birth doula in those situations may have we just we just get so bogged down with what we're told is the right thing to do yes and and, and I think that, you know, it's a symptom of, of our society in general that like, even as parents, something that is arguably one of the most important things that you're ever going to do with your life, if that's a decision that you make for your life, um, you're bringing a life into the world. You should be doing some fucking research. Like, yes. And um, <laughs> the problem is though, that nine months is not long enough to learn everything there is to learn about birth. And Oh, oh my God, no. And, you know, no. No, I've been, uh, I've been studying birth and everything that goes along with it. And that's, you know, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, breastfeeding, like the whole shebang for probably about six years now. And I still learn things every day. Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and then there's also, I mean, oh my gosh, we could literally spend this entire episode talking about this. Uh, but I, because there are, there's things that I've had four kids and I still barely know anything at all. And like, what, what, how long do you wait to cut the umbilical cord? Do you wait or do you do it immediately? Um, do you, there's, there's like different methodologies where the placenta is concerned. What's the proper fucking posture? It's not your back. No, it's not. Yeah. Not at all. The, the standard backline position is 200% only for doctor's convenience. And that's it. And it's actually really yeah. counterproductive. In a, for a lot of reasons. Well, you literally, like, the, the, one of the recommendations that I read at one point is gravity is there for a reason. Use it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually it, does it's help. It's so simple. <laughs> it, yeah. We're overcomplicating this so much. And it's, uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to go off too much on the tangent, but it's pretty obviously due to capitalism and, and the amount of money that our doctors make and, and things of that nature that, that kind of inform on how this whole thing goes. If you think for half a second that circumcision is anything other than the doctor being able to bill your insurance for another fucking surgical procedure, you're out of your goddamn mind. There's, oh, there's, okay. that, there's other reasons, but yeah, that is a big one. In 2019, uh, it's yeah. cultural indoctrination, and it's about being able to charge that as an additional surgery. That's oh, all yeah. it is. No, but that first one is the big one that I was uh, pointing towards. Is yeah, it's it's still something that many people. It's it's not even that doctors will pressure people into it. It's that most people just think that that's what happens. Well, guess like, what? A, a lot of people straight up expect it. Oh, it absolutely is. I've lost friends over telling them, hey, let's stop mutilating little boys. Okay, so to be fair, yes. Colby, 
that in one of those particular incidents, it wasn't just what you said. <laughs> I, I but it can I be a very, it can be a very heated topic of conversation. And guess what? Here's a newsflash for anybody who happens to hear this and uh, is considering this question for yourself. There is legal precedent where a man sued his parents for mutilation and fucking won in the United States of America. So, yeah. Like, if this is, you need to be careful. I told yeah. my mom that. And she said, son, are you going to sue me? <laughs> I said, no, mom, I'm not. But I legitimately sat down and asked her. I said, why did you guys, why? because, okay, yeah, oversharing, I'm circumcised. And I said, you know, why did you guys make that decision? And mom said, well, that's just, that's what you do. And I said, yeah, that's I it. Said, no. That's the only reason. <laughs> I said, no, that's not, that's, no. <laughs> like, like, you cut off 25% of my, of my thing here. This is no good. Um, and I will say, with the hospital that we uh, chose for our final three children, um, one of the, our, our main doctor who unsurprisingly, because of how unbelievably fantastic he was, moved on to bigger and better things than this podunk Pennsylvania town. Um, he had made the assertion that he thinks he is in like the last years of performing circumcisions at all. Um, yeah. So, because I, I feel like the the information is out there at this point, and there's just there's there's just no good medical reason for it. And then don't even get me started on the fact that there's part of the world that think that circumcising females, which is not what that is in any way, shape, or form, is appropriate. And apparently that's oh, still happening here. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. And it's when you think about female circumcision, everybody you know cringes and gets horrified, and they're like, "Oh my god, why would we ever like?" But then it's the same thing that we're doing to boys. Yeah, exactly. It really same. is. And why? Because but that, but the rabbi okay. says it's a good idea. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. That, that's that's a, even a whole other like separate can of worms there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to dive too much into the religious side of things, but I just I and obviously like that particular area gets me a little bit heated. I have two sons and um I mean it was really easy. The conversation was um we we actually felt like we had to be sure that the doctors were aware multiple steps in the process to make sure that somebody didn't just take it upon themselves cuz I would have flipped my wig. Um but it's yeah. it, you know, it's also it may seem less severe to some, but we were very adamant that our children were breastfed and we didn't want any formula to be introduced because their mother was capable. Right. And yeah. so, and so when I walked into the NICU, uh, there were some complications with uh, my, my second child, Sophia. And so she had to spend some time in the toaster and uh, pop her in there. And then I, we walked in. And uh, just, just so that everyone knows the toaster is the NICU, not natural toaster clearing that up now okay i appreciate you taking that time colby but okay we'll just we're just gonna leave that. i yeah. i'm just anyway. making sure I, I, at least once an episode you managed to say something that just completely fries my brain i'm like why do you feel like we have to specify that i didn't put my kid in a toaster oven I'll jeremy just, in the incubator in the nick <laughs> anyway so we walk in and they've got a bottle of formula in her mouth Mm. and i'm like um excuse you absolutely not you need to go away now don't ever come near my child again so i guess the the assertion that i want to try to make here is if if a person decides that they're going to go through the traditional system not go through a birth doula not educate themselves outside of what their mom did what have you that's perfectly fine that's your life choice but please remember that these doctors work for you yes and i absolutely. think absolutely 
I think oftentimes we forget that like they're offering an educated opinion, but that's why second opinions are a thing and second on second opinions are a thing, but the doctors work for the patients and they just have an educated opinion that we hopefully trust. Um, But that's an extremely important uh, part that I think a lot of people forget. Um, Yes, you can absolutely say no to anything during the process, anything, anything at all. and they might try to bully you. And they absolutely will. Their way. And they might t- threaten child protective services. Yep. But you have every right to deny anything that they suggest. And they'll also tell you that your insurance won't cover the visit and things like that. And so like, and it's unfortunate if you don't have an advocate, if you don't have somebody who can say, which also fun fact in most hospitals, there's such a thing as a patient advocate. If there's a doctor or a nurse or somebody who's bullying you, you can seek out your patient advocate and they will then be the liaison between you and your doctors and they will make sure that you're achieving the proper care. If you have multiple teams working on you, they will help with that communication process. There are things that are in place to help patients. It's just, you're in one of the most stressful times of your entire life. Mm-hmm. So so you, yes, so definitely. it's- it's hard to remember to ask for things like this. And if you don't have somebody, if you don't have a partner uh, who is aware in any way educated and, and, or in any way dedicated or fuck, they might not even have the time to be able to help you. Uh, it, it can be scary. So I'm kind of, I'm going to step down off my soapbox now, uh, but I have a little bit of experience dealing with these sorts of things and, uh, and that'll be a story for probably another time. Um, but I, I've, I have firsthand experience as a partner of somebody who's, who's going through, who's fighting for their life. And, thank- and you know, most people, most people, most parents do have stories like this. Oh yes. We don't talk about them because we have been conditioned to believe that healthy mom, healthy, healthy baby is the only thing that matters. And it doesn't matter. Like none of the other stuff matters. Like how they got here doesn't matter. How you felt doesn't matter. So yeah, no. moms and the and- advocacy of that absolutely matters. And like the, the respect of a person's sanctity and, uh, sorry, there's a word I'm looking for that I just lost. I apologize. It should be a beautiful broke. experience. Okay. Like I get it. it. There's blood yeah. and there's pain and there's screaming, but like there, it should, it's, it's been so kind of, um uh wow okay apparently i'm forgetting words too it's been so sterilized there there it is that like we're losing the magic mm-hmm. yeah absolutely okay. it, moms are leaving the hospital with their babies just like dumbfounded it's like okay well i thought this was going to be a magical experience i don't really feel like that's what happened i kind of feel like i was violated but yep they don't feel like they're allowed to say anything because you know they have a healthy baby so what do they have to complain about but healthy mom healthy baby should be our absolute bottom line that should be our basic bottom standard we should really be focusing on the whole thing how they, how moms feel, the emotional um, part of it, if they feel supported, yeah, if they felt heard. That's we understand that you know problems do arise in birth, but they're not near as common as most people would think. Have you believe? Right, and basically at this point, you know, Jeff Foxworthy about fifteen years ago made a joke about. Uh, childbirth because they had had a kid and he said that they i'm gonna butcher this but he said he spent eight hours in the hospital eight hours it takes longer to cook chili in a crock pot 
if everything goes well, right? And, and But he's not wrong. You give birth, yes. they make sure your car seat looks good. They show you a video that tells you, don't shake your baby. And then, and then have a nice day. Like, we'll schedule the follow-up visit. And that's, so if everything goes well, like that's typically what happens. And I mean, I guess that's a good thing for the most part, but then also, uh, yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're getting to the point where we just, the, the main idea here is that the way that it's handled is, is it's being mishandled. And there is a certain, it should be ex- an experience surrounded by family and loved ones and, yeah, make your fucking playlist and burn your goddamn incense, whatever makes you feel the most comfortable and ready to bring your child into the world. And then everybody should be in a circle weeping. You should be weeping. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of births stall out once, you know, okay. It's very, very common for a mother to be progressing quickly while they're at home. And then once they hit the hospital, everything slows down Yeah, because they're uncomfortable. Yep. You know, we're we're designed to basically birth in a cave just like any other animal and when you know our safety place and then you get to the hospital where it's bright lights and strangers and people coming in and out and looking at your privates and you're and touching you in places that people don't normally touch you especially strangers so everything's going to naturally slow down because the mom's stressed out and anxious and doesn't know what's going on and because they don't ever explain procedures to you most of the time. They just kind of do things to you. Yeah, which I, as as a guy, and this is something that I... Did you, did that you seriously just to offer me. to speak to the, about from, from the perspective of all males? I can't wait to hear what you say. <laughs> as, as, a, I'm, as a guy, that doesn't happen to me in like any kind of medical experience that I've had. Exactly. Like, yeah. doctor, doctors have any time something has happened there is a doctor there explaining in intimate detail every aspect of what's going to happen oh Uh, yeah yeah. when i like when i when i had my appendix removed i'm i'm naturally a very inquisitive person uh and i was asking questions about uh of the anesthesiologist i was asking about what kinds of medications they were going to use um the uh the time it took for them to become effective the length of time that they would be effective for like I was going into great detail because that was coming for me at a time where I had found out near hour and a half ago that uh, my appendix was a traitor and was attempting to kill me. (laughs) Uh, But at no point was there anything but understanding. And even while there was a good bit of rush because, you know, I could die at any moment, the doctor still took the time to be, conscious and cognizant of my own feelings my advocacy for myself my consent in the situation and mm-hmm. the just any every experience i've heard of women advocating for not just childbirth but any aspect of their own health is so different and it's so yes. infuriating yes and we can do better yes. and we should it's so bad i have to go anytime i have a medical problem i have to go to two or three doctors before I'll find a solution to it every time. Are you serious? Because they don't, I'm so serious. It's so, oh my gosh, it's so frustrating because I have a lot of health issues, like nothing serious, but I've dealt with blood sugar problems and eczema and anxiety, you know, a few mild things that pile on top of each other. But um, yeah, I have to, I'll go to one doctor and I actually went to a doctor a couple of months ago, 
who I'm pretty sure, like, I'm not sure if it was a blood sugar problem that was happening or an anxiety attack, but I woke up in a cold sweat and shaky. So my grandmother talked me into going to the doctor and, um, he literally told me, uh, you look fine now. I don't know what you want me to do about any of this. Those are the words that they used. Those are the words that came out of his mouth. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, I had pups, which is a pregnancy skin problem yeah. that pops up mm. sometimes. It's a itchy hive-like rash from head to toe. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. I wouldn't wear shit on Hitler, I swear. Um, <laughs> it, uh, so I brought it to my doctor's attention. She said, oh, it's just uh, dry skin and pregnancy hormones. Well, wow. it kept getting worse. I brought it to her attention again. And she said, well, here's some hydrocortisone cream. Try it. I didn't get better. It kept getting worse. So I brought it to her attention again. Her literal words were, I mean, we could send you to a dermatologist, but it would be a waste of everybody's time because it's dry skin and pregnancy hormones. Just keep using the um, What? They told cream. you it would be a waste of everybody's time? Yes. And that's not even the worst part of the story yet. Okay. <laughs> oh my Christ. Um, so it kept getting worse. And um, so I took to Facebook because at this point, like I had brought it to her attention like three or four times. She didn't care. So I went to Facebook and I was like, I had uh, some pregnancy groups I was in and I told them what was going on in there. And I was like, does anybody have any suggestions for me? Because I can't sleep. I am miserable. Like the stress of it is interfering with my life and my ability to take care of my older son. And, um, so everybody in the Facebook groups terrified me with this coleostasis, uh, oh. diagnosis, which is, uh, deadly to the baby if that's what it is. Oh yeah. So I called my doctor again and, um, it was, I talked to a nurse. I didn't even talk to the doctor and, um, I told her, I said, this is what's going on. I've brought it to y'all's attention. I've used the entire tube of hydrocortisone cream. It's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Um, I didn't feel like I had any options left. So I got on Facebook and asked them if anybody else was going through this. And they gave me this coleostasis um, diagnosis. So now I'm concerned about that. And the nurse told me word for word, well, you know better than getting on that Facebook shit. Oh my gosh. She said shit. Okay. She said a nurse, a professional told me that. So when she talked to the doctor for me, the doctor came back and she said, well, the nurse came back after she had talked to the doctor and told me that the doctor said word for word, if it's really that bad, go check yourself into the hospital. <laughs> okay. So the next day, I cried, by the way. I cried hysterically. No oh, shit, you did. Um, so the next day, I woke up, and when I first opened my eyes, I noticed I could see my face. Okay? Not with a mirror. Like, I opened my eyes, oh my and my God. face was in my eyeballs. Like, it had swollen. Ooh. And um, so it spread across half of my face. And um, so at this point, I called my mom because I had done all of the grown-up things possible, right? <laughs> Look, yeah. some, sometimes calling your parents is the most grown-up thing you can do. When you, when yeah. you cannot adult, get adultier adults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I called my mom and I told her what was going on. And she put me in contact with my dad's cousin 
who is a EMT and he used to work on MedFly and he's been a nurse. Like he's, he's just all up in there with the medical system. Right. So he calls me and he asks me what's going on. You can tell he's like uh, writing down my answers as he asks me questions. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, I give you permission to go to the hospital and check yourself into labor and delivery. Um, I'm concerned about, he, but since it was on my lips and my face, he was concerned <sighs> about an allergy and it turning anaphylactic and me, you know, dying from not being able to breathe. Yeah. So we went to the hospital. They admitted me. They've got me all hooked up to all the monitors and everything, the same that they would if you were in labor. And um, my doctor walks in. She goes, well, uh, it looks like the hydrocortisone cream is not working. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, no shit, lady. Um, Could have told said, you this like a week ago. Yeah. I said, uh, my husband and I have been doing research on it, and we think it's pups. So she goes, no, no, it's not pups. And let me show you why. So she, t- <laughs> she takes out her phone pulls up Google images of pups and shows me pictures on Google images and tells me that this is why it's not pups because it doesn't look anything like this right here. So, um, she gave me a steroid cream and told me, she goes, what I know of skin conditions is that if the hydrocortisone doesn't work, then you give it a steroid. I was like, okay. So, now we're taking the steroid. And she assures me that it will go away as soon as the baby is born. And this this whole process started when I was about seven months pregnant. And oh, God. Did you carry the term? Months. Yes, both my children were 42 weekers. So, oh, so wait a second, wait a second. You, you had a skin condition so severe that your eyes were swelling shut and yeah. you were expected to maintain this for two to three months. Well, no, they gave her a steroid that was supposed to help calm it down. Yeah. <laughs> Regard, just, ah. And the fact that she entered this part of the conversation with, from what I know of skin conditions. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, did not, had not checked with anyone whose specialty was skin conditions. Yeah. Dear God. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, okay, so I take the steroid cream, and it does calm it down enough to where my face isn't, like, swollen and stuff. Oh, good. So, yeah, but it didn't really do anything for the rest of my body. Um, it was still itchy, inflamed, couldn't sleep, couldn't do any. Like, literally all I would do was either cry or sit around with cold, wet rags on my skin because oh. it was so miserable. Um, so, you know what? at this Most point... Old, that this is a normal thing for pregnancy and you just have to buck up and fucking deal with it. No matter right, what yeah, that's that exactly what is. she told me. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so I dealt with that for probably another month until I finally went into labor. The whole time I'm in labor, I'm just like ecstatic because that means that this is fixing to go away. That means this is fixing to go away. That was literally like the most important thing to me in labor, which is terrible. But I mean, when you were suffering, like I was, that's all that mattered. So, um, I had my child and, uh, a day later it spread to my feet. Oh no. And then the next day it was still getting worse. And I'm just like, 
just I'm floored. Okay. I'm so distraught that it, like I've had my child, I've had my daughter and it's still spreading. So about a week postpartum, I took it upon myself to call a dermatologist which I should have done in the first place, but you know, we don't know any better and we trust our doctors to have our best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. So I call a dermatologist. They said it would be six months before they could get me in. I cried some more. Mm -hmm. My grandmother gave me the, the number to her dermatologist. He could get me in the next morning. So I went in the next morning. This guy walks in, looks at me for about 30 seconds and goes, Oh, you have pups. Oh, for fuck's sake. He prescribes me an oral steroid and uh, another type of cream. And I kid you not, after suffering with this horrible itching for three or four months, I was better the next day. Uh, every single aspect of this story is so infuriating. Can I also just point yeah. out how funny I think it is that Colby and I just like sighed the exact same way at the exact same time. Um, I have so many opinions, but the big one that's coming to mind, like that's bubbling up to the surface. This is the double-edged sword of specialties. Yeah. And this is why PCPs are supposed to be able to look at you or OBGYNs even are supposed to be able to look at you and go, Oh, Hey, not my horse, not my race. Mm -hmm. You need to go see that guy. Right. The moment that that OB said, Oh, I don't know much about skin conditions. The first, the next words out of their mouth, in my humble opinion, should have been, you should go see a dermatologist. Yep. Like. Yeah, my dermatologist was actually floored. I told him, I said, I, I've been telling my doctor I thought it was pups and she's been insisting that it wasn't. And he goes, she never once suggested that you, you should see a skin specialist. I said, no, she actually told me that she could send me to a skin specialist, but that it would be a waste of everybody's time. I just was livid as well. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question and you can feel free mm -hmm. to tell me to go fuck myself if you don't wanna answer it, that's perfectly fine. Like literally <laughs> okay. feel free to use those words, but I think that this is important um, to the conversation. Okay. Do you pay for your own health insurance or is it state sponsored? Uh, we have private insurance for my private insurance. Work. Okay, well, okay, no, that's, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, it, my experience has mostly been having um, state insurance. And mm -hmm. it's my experience also that sometimes that can cause healthcare providers to definitely phone it yes. in. Uh, but, yes. but, but this just makes this that much worse because you had mm -hmm. insurance that you were paying for out of pocket and mm -hmm. they still, uh, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually really angry right now. Like on your behalf, I'm angry in general that this happened because you know, goddamn well that you're not the only person this sort of thing has happened to. No, no, I actually know another, um, another lady, one of my friends that I went to school with actually had pups with her son and the way they treated her was they, um, they scheduled an induction. So she, she was induced and had her son and that's what they did to get rid of her pups. They induced her fucking labor early. Yes. Uh, wow. How are these people not in jail? Yes, exactly. They're supposed to, like, do you, there's so many developmental important things that happen in the last week of pregnancy, and they're to sit, I'm yes. going to have an aneurysm. Yeah. I refuse to be induced both times. Um, 
you know, I had my, my, both my children were 42 weekers and even with my daughter and I was miserable and I couldn't uh, function because the pups were so bad. I still refused to be induced because it was so important. Well, yeah, because you fucking knew better. Yeah. But most people don't, they most don't know don't. any better. That's fair. They're at the mercy of their doctor. A hundred percent. Oh my God. I just, my condolences for your unbelievable mistreatment. I am just thank like, and, but also thank you very much for being comfortable enough to share that in a public space. And I, I think that that made this conversation extremely important. Um, and obviously, so, so the, you being treated the way that you were, I'm sure in part inspired you to want to become a birth doula and you're making yes. it your mission to ensure that each person that you interact with never suffers in the way that you did. Yes. If I can just make sure that a couple of moms don't go through what I went through, then that'll, that makes it all worth it to me. It's, that's beautiful and it's noble. And I just, I want to thank you for taking that on because, you know, having experienced that trauma for yourself is tremendous, but then internalizing that and turning it into something where you can ensure that that doesn't have to happen to another human being is just so pure and so wonderful. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly just one of many stories I have of my own personal experiences with this system. Oh, for Lord. Oh, back to mm. This is the part where if we were in Firefly, I'd be speaking Chinese. Okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm glad that both of you understood where I was going with that. So on that note, uh, I'm actually going, <laughs> I'm actually going to go ahead and jump into our get to know you questions. I feel like we know you so well already, Savannah, but uh, these, these are a staple of the Magnificent Whiskers show. So it's important. It really must happen. It's got to happen. Um, now, even, uh, even if we're ending the show with them instead of starting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are you ready for this? Yes. All right. We're just looking for the first answer that comes to mind. And then I'll give you the option as to whether or not you uh, want to unpack your answer. Or if you just want to leave it sit for, for what it is. Okay. Okay. All right. So vampire or werewolf. Okay. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, it depends on the type of vampire and werewolf. Like, if we're talking Twilight, then definitely werewolf. Okay. I'll take it. And is there any particular reason that you that you lean that direction? Okay, so <laughs> I read the Twilight books before they were movies. And, Same. you know, people... Okay, good. So, you know, the books are actually good. The, you know, the movies, people people hate on them and stuff. But the books are actually good. And um, when I was reading them is when, uh, is right before my husband and I, my now husband and I started dating. So he was 100% Jacob in the book, like his persona, really? everything about him. Yeah, <laughs> everything about him. And he was even friend zoned. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, did you was just my... make yourself Bella? Well, I mean... <laughs> Bella didn't end up with Jacob, so no. That's true. But uh, um, he, uh, me, me and my husband were best friends for a whole year before we ever actually started dating. And he, from the get-go, made his feelings very well known. And he, for the entire year, I would 
taking places with me and I would spend two hours on the phone with him and you know all we were constantly together and he was always like trying to kiss me and putting his arm around me or wanting like grabbing my hand or touching my side and I was just like haha you're so cute you know oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know it just he kept on and kept on so like it was like a year and a half later before I was actually like oh okay and I started developing feelings for him and that was 10 years ago so here we are Oh, here we are. All right, then. Well, that's, a then. Fun, that's a fun story. Uh, okay. Uh, so, Star Wars... Uh, actually, or- uh, on that front, I would like to note, uh, I have a, uh, a a more extreme and uh, sort of tightly packed version of that myself. My girlfriend and I, the first time that we met, uh, she introduced herself to me. Uh, we were in a game store, and I can be loud. You know, I, 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 have, a, I, have, I have a big voice, big personality. Uh, I... <laughs> I tend to talk on the verge of screaming, uh, according to most people. And she comes in with uh, her then boyfriend, who was a friend of mine, and I'm introducing myself. And I say, hi, my name's Colby. To which she responds, no, you're an obnoxious fuckface. <laughs> and I've been dating that woman for five and a half years. That's beautiful. <laughs> Honesty right. is key in relationship <laughs> i agree but oh my gosh <laughs> um okay so star wars or star trek star trek 200 percent. i like things I, no, yeah, I, I hate star wars i hate star oh. wars because you know what it is it's star wars it's people shooting each other and that's it that there's no depth there's no intelligent storyline that were you know like a problem trying to be fixed there's no uh scientific it's, intellect there's just it's, it's just, just people the war people yeah I'm, i feel attacked <laughs> 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 well if okay okay a side note most of the time when i when i get asked that question i say um stargate i'm a stargater stargate is the conversation and you know what's weird I still don't know. I can't give you a good reason why I haven't watched it. There are I no mean, good reasons. <laughs> no, it, it really, it really is a fantastic movie and show, and just every the whole series is very good. Yeah, I, really series is. multiple because there are multiple seasons of it. Yeah, which which are which are you know varying style and quality, but I think all are worthwhile. Yeah, yes. it's and, what, you know. Uh, I love the idea of Atlantis. I love Jason Moma. I love yes. stars. I love space and sci-fi. I love stars. Listen to me. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I just, I want to throw things at Jason Momoa fans because I have been following him. I have been a loyal fan of his ever since Stargate Atlantis came out. Yeah. And, uh, I've been a big fan myself. Um, I, I do think one other thing that's really interesting that I think you would really like about it is that it does mix, um, science fiction and mythology and mysticism Mm -hmm. in very interesting Mm -hmm. ways um like there's there's a very heavy back and forth and a balance between uh sort of like analyzing the the cultures that are represented in the series uh within the context of the show they don't exactly go into like super deep cultural analysis for the real world but within the series itself like the characters uh have a pretty careful balance of respecting the cultures that they interact with but also um like 
essentially representing that no the things that you have been told about these people aren't true it's 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 an interesting mix of like yeah. respecting the culture yeah it, it really is good mm-hmm. really is all right well um i feel more educated and a little bit more interested i mean That's just as point. a sci- just as a sci-fi fan in general like um i i just think it's probably something like it's a huge gap in my um uh viewing that i missed um but i, I I, I will be. I will say that I am guilty of not having followed Jason since Game of or since before Game of Thrones. That was where he was introduced to me, um, that right. I was aware of. Uh, but since then, like I, I followed him into the DCU, and I've been following him on social media and his activism that he's been taking part in recently. And he's just like a, he's just like a really cool dude. Yeah, yeah. he is. He's a great guy. And I love the way that he, I, I didn't mean to like reduce this, this like fantastic conversation about this wonderful series down to this one extremely popular actor, but that's what I'm doing. Uh, but he okay. like, but it's also because the thing that I like a lot about him is that he ac- acknowledges that he's just a dirtbag who got lucky and continues to just be a dirtbag about everything that he does. But he's so, like, he loves his wife and he loves his children so completely and then loves his people his culture, his island, his craft. Like, the man is just, he's just so shiny. He's a passionate dude. He's a passionate dude. And I, and I, like, I fucks with that pretty hard. Like, I, I resonate with that really, really well. Yeah, and, you do. Uh, and I really just... Passion's something that we need more of, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm certain that at some point, we're probably, there's going to be some kind of controversy surrounding him in some capacity. And I just hope it doesn't completely detonate him. Um, mm-hmm. So next question is football or football? Neither, please. Okay. <laughs> well, especially after... I tried. I tried. Okay, I live in Alabama, and okay. one of, like, the two things Alabama is known for is football. So, literally, everybody in my family, everybody I know, that's the pastime. That's what they do. That's what they look forward to. They dress up. They throw the football parties, like, the whole shebang. So, my whole life, I was very outcast because I would rather read a book or learn something or watch science fiction than watch football. But okay. I tried really hard to like football. I brought, I bought the shirts, I sat down and watched the games, I asked the questions and tried to learn. And I just can't, I can't. It's such a major waste of time for me. I accept that. Uh, really interested for your answer on this next one. Musical or straight play? Mm, I don't know. Neither. <laughs> okay. I, perfectly fine. Colby and I have uh, spent some time on the stage. And just as a, it's really funny too. Before participating in my first musical, I had only ever watched two. And they were in school because our music education teacher had us watch them during class. One was West Side Story. The other was the Newsies when uh, Christian Bale start in it mm-hmm. those were like 100 percent of the musicals that i had watched and I, i'm sure you watched disney movies as a kid uh yeah but the like the animated films don't count yeah they do not till they're on stage and even when they're on stage yeah. the songs are so different <laughs> anyway uh so but from that point forward after i had participated i started um looking into more of them for the simple fact that like i needed audition songs for like more shows and stuff and now like i wouldn't say 
I'm definitely not one of those people who is all musicals all the time, but I've certainly downloaded a uh, Pandora station that was nothing but Broadway, and that expanded my horizons a lot. That was a lot of fun. Um, I have a sister who's all about musicals all the time. Yeah, I, I actually think it's really interesting the way that, like, public perception of musicals and, like, Broadway has changed in the last several years. Because I remember uh, when I was a kid, there was, like, a commercial about this couple who went on a date. And it was a great date. And everything was really good. And uh, uh, everything was looking to be fantastic and then they get in the car and he's and he holds up a cd and he's like so do you like show tunes and then like the want want music played and it was like oh uh, like show tunes or musicals were a sign that someone was completely disconnected from like popular culture and now like you can just find musicals and broadway music on rate on the radio basically all over the place uh, oh yeah, it's a whole subculture now. Yeah, it is, and, and I think especially that's, with things like really Pitch cool. Perfect, um, uh, that, mm-hmm. and, and not that Pitch Perfect was technically Ham- and one Hamilton. of those Hamilton. Well, yeah. So let's just talk about how Lin uh, Manuel Miranda. Sorry if I just butchered that name, but he's he's done so much work to bring it into pop culture in such a huge yeah. way with his work with Moana and then his work on Hamilton and the many mm-hmm. other projects that we can't even remember off the top of our head that he's apparently a part of. But like, and I'm not saying that he single-handedly has done this, but he's definitely helped push it forward in a big way. And then uh, Disney taking the step to be remaking many of their classic animated films as live action films. Holy shit was beauty and the beast. Incredible. Like I, I, we won't go into that here. I, I actually don't like it at all. Oh, you're fired. I think, I think it's horrendous. I think it's a terrible movie and a terrible remake. You're fired and you're wrong. Emma Watson was a spectacular bell to begin with. Amazing LeFou. I, I yeah no I think those characters are great I, but that's the limit of what I like in that movie. All right, we'll fist fight about this later. Uh, Savannah, are you into '90s rap or current rap? Neither. <laughs> well, probably '90s rap more so. You can't but help but bump a... your head to to some of that getting jiggy with it, right? Like. Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the things that were playing at the school dances and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the things I was blasting um, in my car with the windows down when I turned sixteen because I thought I was cool. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Do you know which Hogwarts house you belong to? I'm Ravenclaw. Hell yeah, Ravenclaw represent. <laughs> Are you right. too? Yeah. That's great. I, I mean, you don't see many, honestly. Uh, you don't really see very many i I agree uh my girlfriend is ravenclaw and now so that makes three of us (laughs) in the world in the whole world (laughs) it's it's all right i'm i'm a hufflepuff and we are similarly uh no way man underrepresented no way especially on tiktok there are so many hufflepuffs that are out it's insane yeah, I see a lot of Hufflepuffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you, are you uh, more of a fan of Marvel or DC? Marvel, 100%. Any particular reason why you lean that direction? Um, Marvel's more fun-loving and goofy, and DC's more serious and melodramatic. Could not agree more. And it just, huh. yeah, it just goes better with my personality. I, I, I get a kick. I always find that an interesting answer because that, it, 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 that can change so drastically depending on what era of the comics you're reading. 
I think yeah, it can like, change for Marvel in a big way, depending on the era. But for DC, once they left the more goofiness behind, I feel like they've never really looked back. Like there's some goofier installments of things like Teen yeah. Titans Go and stuff like that. But generally speaking, DC is all about the dark, the gray, the grit. Yeah. Uh, even even Especially, as early as the 90s, though, that was the exact opposite perception. Like, DC was the kids' books. Uh, that was the goofy stuff that no one wanted to read. Mar- excuse me, Marvel was the big, serious adult books. Like, it, it, it's just interesting. You and I have a very different perspective on that. I'm just, t- I'm telling you what the overall public perception within the fandom is. Savannah, how at least was the fact are you that Colby has made these amazingly sweeping generalizations as the spokesperson for multiple people groups in this episode so far? <laughs> I'm not making sweeping generalizations. I am, say- I am saying the public perception that I have received from other groups because I'm involved in a good number of these fandoms I... or in the case of being male, I am male, and as a man, things like that. I admire that. that you're taking on the mantle as the spokesperson for these groups, Colby. That's all I'm saying. I, I think it's beautiful. Um, would you, Savannah, would you prefer a staycation or a vacation? Um, okay. So a mixture of both. My husband, uh, it drives him crazy because when we do go on vacation, I want to do exactly what I do at home, just <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> like I want to sit on my laptop and on my phone and with my planner and with my spreadsheet and on my blog. And I want to do that <laughs> in the hotel room or in the condo somewhere else. Like when we go to the, when we go to the beach, my favorite thing in the world is for everybody to go down to the beach and leave me alone in the condo. <laughs> listen if that's your happy place who who is right. anyone to judge <laughs> right yeah. and for a while there he would try to like you know why don't you come down here with everybody else you know we want to spend some time with you too and, and like i no. will and i'm just miserable the whole time so now he's <laughs> just like okay it's fine <laughs> that's awesome uh, uh i always i always think it's interesting like when me and my girlfriend are planning trips or vacations like uh, we'll we'll do research, obviously, and the way that people will suggest different rooms, for instance, uh, the one that always gets me is if I'm going somewhere, I want the smallest, cheapest room possible because I am spending precisely ten minutes in my room when I drop my stuff off, and then I'm going back to my room when I cannot walk anymore and am passing out. So I don't need anything other than the comfiest bed possible in a closet and the rest of my time is being spent other places but there are people who absolutely advocate for the biggest room the comfiest shindigs the most perks and most amenities and i'm just like why are you on vacation just buy a bigger house and stay there well, I <laughs> because think my family wanted to go somewhere. <laughs> there's, I feel like there's something to be said for like having that luxury experience and then not having to fucking clean it yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not much of a, a luxury person, though. I'm not much one for excessive amenities and things like that. I'm. I'm an experiential totally person. Am. I'm. I'm an experiential person. Uh, so if I'm going, if I'm going somewhere, it's to it's to like be in that thing, not to you know look at nice things in my room. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right. Do you have a favorite dinosaur? I'm just a fan of all dinosaurs. Oh, that's I, my I favorite to, answer we've gotten so far. 
I, I love to dress my daughter up in dinosaur things because there's this whole stigma that girls can't like dinosaurs. And I actually love dinosaurs. It broke my heart when my son wasn't into dinosaurs. Oh. Can I just say, literally fuck every single person who's ever said that, ever. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, let's talk about Dr. Elliot Sadler for a second, who's coming back to the Jurassic Park universe for the most recent installment that they'll be making. Okay. Well, that's going to be cool. Oh, it's going to be so badass. I mean, hopefully, right? Because they're all pretty old at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully it's not just like Jurassic Park, the nursing home. But no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like and- Geriatric Park. Geriatric <laughs> But, like, she kicked so much ass in that movie and, like, was so unbelievably intelligent. And we need more paleontological women, in my opinion. Why not? Uh, But then I'm going to segue that just very briefly into um, another powerful uh, female figure is X from Girl in Space, uh, one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever come across ever in my entire life. Uh, and, you know, maybe this was just an excuse for me to link that podcast into our show notes. But also, if I may make a recommendation to both you, Savannah, to you again, Colby, and to any every single person who's listening to this episode, download that podcast and fall in love. All you have to do is press play. But she loves Jurassic Park and um, admires Dr. Elliot Sadler. Um, so it's... Uh, fuck every single person who said that girls can't be into dinosaurs. I will literally fist fight yeah. them right now <laughs> in a line. Let's go. Um, so here's a big question. And uh, I have to say before I ask that I am absolutely in love with the fact that we've never gotten to our topic and that we're going, <laughs> we're going to bring our episode to a close after you answer this, this question. Um, so that'll just give us an excuse to get you back on here. Uh, All right, cool. Do you believe in aliens? definitely it is it's it's okay what's the word i lost it um egotistical of us to think in the billions of planets and stars that there are in the infinite universe that we are the only ones okay let me devil's advocate that for just a second right so here's the so-called math and science behind why that might not be egotistical i'm curious if you've if you've seen it from this perspective okay we the the probability that a planet would be in what they refer to as the goldilocks zone of a solar system to allow for life to form is so astronomical and i'll do some googling to see if i can find some actual numbers on it that it might mathematically be next to impossible for there to be another planet that is um hospitable to life uh uh in 2011 it was concluded that there are roughly 500 billion habitable planets in the milky way galaxy alone i retract my previous statement <laughs> <laughs> no but they're actually but there is it, it is, it is on, such a perfect because even though they're in a habitable or even though they're in that goldilocks zone right it's so there, there just have to be so many perfect conditions to come together to allow for life to actually grow. And even if life grows, the way that we define that life is like fucking bacteria. Yeah, yeah and, but, you know, life as we know it. Right. Uh, different life can come to be in different forms that we couldn't even possibly imagine. Well, and yeah. so that's actually my stance on this question, not that you asked, but I'm sharing, um, is that I think that it's entirely plausible 
that that extraterrestrial life has possibly even visited our planet, we may just lack the sensory perception to be aware of their presence. Oh, yeah, sure. Or we, or that life could be in a form, even if we were aware of their presence, may not recognize them as being living things. Right. Uh, because our understanding of life is very in line with our own physiology and biological process. But at, mm-hmm. at its core, life is simply the replication and reproduction of information and for us, that just happens to be through DNA and biological matter. But there are many other methods for that to happen. And, you know, the, one of those coming to being in a way that we don't recognize, like plants. Plants are a life form, but, you know, we don't consider them sentient. But, you know, they move around. They, they communicate with each other. That fresh grass smell that we love is actually them <laughs> screaming in pain to each other. Yep. That's their... That's... Uh, are you familiar with spirit science? Spirit um, science? I am not. No, not as a okay. specific term. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a YouTube channel. Okay. And I highly recommend it. It will give you a whole new perspective on the world. Well, that's something else I'll be putting in the show notes then. Um, is there, was there a specific episode that you watched that made you go, huh, that, that made you give, gave you this new perspective or was it just their collective work? Oh, just a collective. It's uh, Spirit Science is what I stumbled into that got me on my whole spiritual journey in the first place. Um, but there is a, uh, the reason I bring it up now is because there's a specific episode where they did a study where they um, measured the something coming off of plants that and um, they did different things to it and measured these signals that were coming off of it and found that plants may actually be more intelligent than we think oh there's uh there's that there is branches of uh science and research that hypostulate that plants are actually uh bioengineering us as human beings like crops are bioengineering us to make them stronger and better, not us bioengineering them. <laughs> or at least it's a, it's a back and forth. Like uh, plants are designing us as human beings to rely on them so that we propagate them. Huh. Uh, That's interesting. That yeah. one fucked me up um, a little bit. Yeah. It, it, that shit, this shit will. Uh, for anyone who is wondering about the... Uh, like the probability of other life forms, uh, there is a thing called the Drake equation that they use to determine the potential for uh, life or intelligent life in the universe. Uh, one of the interesting things that kind of puts it into a scary perspective, and one of my favorite aspects of it is, uh, you know, because I love putting myself into existential dread for some reason, <laughs> uh, is this this idea that there are uh, these sort of barriers to entry when you advance to to or past certain technological or evolutionary levels. So you'll have like a really wide gamut of life forms up to a certain point. And then that uh, width drastically narrows as you go to the next sort of stage of unintelligent evolution. Um, and that continues all the way up through, say, space travel and uh, 
faster than light travel and things like that. Uh, so the idea is that for humanity, for instance, we likely have not breached uh, one of those major milestones or throughout the entire universe, uh, there may be no species that has breached that point yet or in the future. Hmm. Uh, to intelligent space travel. And given the time frame of the universe, uh, it could be just that the universe itself is too young for a uh, for species to have consistently broken that barrier. And it may happen in the future, but right now we could be the first one or we could be the only one that is lucky enough to meet those criteria. Right, yeah. Cause, uh, cause even, just... even if, yeah, even if other beings do exist, right. or it could be easier for other species because again, if their life form is in a manner that is more less susceptible to say the hostilities of space or more capable of traveling from one planet to another, they could have easier time with that instead of us. And maybe we're just really shittily adapted to universe travel. Sorry, I could go on to this. We could, for hours yeah. and hours. <laughs> I, I frequently, I've been inviting our guests to uh, postulate heavily, and most of the time, as usual, it just ends up being me or Colby who runs away with the fucking baton. Uh, so that was, but no, that's a, that's a really good pers- or fun perspective, and I know we've talked about that before a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I definitely, I want to like kind of go on record and say that I absolutely agree with you, Savannah. I think it would be completely egotistical, egomaniacal even for us to assume yeah. that we are the only life that exists in the universe. Um, the really scary thing too, is like not that far off because of how, you know, light works. It, it, we're like literally looking back in time when we look up at the night sky and the stars. So yeah. being able to breach that, uh, distance um yeah there there could be another species just like there could be another species just like us looking for another species just like them alive right now and we won't know it for 500 million years and then that tilt that has a tendency to tilt off into quantum mechanics and quantum theory and string theory which fun fact is actually how this entire show uh was born um actually (laughs) was a conversation on that topic quantum mechanics and uh uh molecular limits yeah well most specifically the paradox that is created if we assume that string theory is a true uh rule if it is a theory and that there's a version of the universe for every possibility then there's a version of the universe where string theory is not true (laughs) and that (laughs) that that's a whole other conversation that's a whole other conversation savannah y'all are gonna love spirit science (laughs) <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we're definitely going to check it out then. <laughs> uh, Samantha, I want to just take a second and thank you so much for coming on to the show and talking with us today. It's been a sincere pleasure. Um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And again, I had just, I have to say once more, since we didn't even touch the topic that we originally uh, planned on discussing, I'm going to go ahead and um, officially extend another invitation at some point in the in the near future we'll have to have you back on so we can actually talk about what we intended to talk about because that topic is now yours and now everyone is hooked because they want to know what the topic was oh yeah because i'm totally not going to say it out loud oh yeah absolutely (laughs) that's 100 percent intentional (laughs) y'all gotta y'all gotta come back so um you know you did mention that uh you're you're a life coach and that you're involved in in some uh you know entrepreneurial uh shenanigans why don't you go ahead and take this opportunity to plug the hell out of yourself yeah um i'm on pretty much every social media at earth and underscore water 
So that's where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and YouTube and all of the above everywhere. But um, my website is earthandwater.co. And I have, of course, all the links there for all of that. And you can follow me. I talk on a, a variety of subjects, um, mostly personal development, self-care, self-love type stuff. Um, so, yeah, you know, mind, body, spirit type stuff. And I, since I'm a birth doula and I use the same website for all of my uh, both birth doula work and um, life coaching, then sometimes I try to angle it towards parents or um, mothers or pregnant mothers specifically, but it's really like everybody can get benefits from my content. Excellent. I think we all need a little bit more uh, legitimate self-love and self-care. And that's not always just, you know, splurging on the latte or whatever. Um, Oh no, it goes much deeper. It's a, it's all mindset really. Yeah. I would completely Uh, agree. Uh, a, a good friend of mine once uh, was talking about the fact that uh, in their struggles with mental illness, they talk about the fact that self-love isn't all, isn't always or even often sitting snuggled under a blanket with hot chocolate. Sometimes it's grabbing your friend by the ear and getting them to take a shower when they haven't for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you all can dive way more into that uh, by reaching out to Savannah and asking for her opinions, watching her YouTube videos, everything that she just mentioned. And hey, if you want to get involved in any of my ridiculous shenanigans, RemyX0, where the O is a zero, on Twitter. Um, and you'll find all of these again in the show notes. But uh, Colby, if people want to talk to you on Twitter, where are they going to find you? You can find me at LVNDRIS91. Excellent. Hey, thanks again to all of you for coming to listen. Uh, Special thanks to Savannah for spending the last hour plus with us. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys again. Have a good day.